Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, how are you? Welcome. We're going to talk about how dumb the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders are. And I'm not mad about it because Josh McDaniels has a punchable face. He does. I'm sorry. When you look at him, you want to just give him a slight jab. Troy Aikman. Hey, let me address that here in a minute. He said that take off the skirt doesn't have to be only women. Why is he assuming that it's women? It could be he's talking about men taking off the skirt. I don't know. I mean, we don't know. We got a lot to get to today. I'm very excited about today's show for a lot of reasons. Tony Barnhart's going to join us as college football is rocking and rolling. Armando's going to join us, the latest from Miami. Erin Perrine is going to join us. You're going to love her. She wrote an article about where is the liberal media in discussing abuses, but first in women's sports, by the way, and that's a subject, as you all know, near and dear to my heart as my daughter, stepdaughter, is a softball player at Harvard. My wife, a legendary softball player slash coach, women's sports, is massive to me as I am a girl dad. Don't at me. Uh, but first, I need your opinion. I think, I do, I think that... Uh, well, frankly, I, I think that I'm being slighted. I, I think I'm being slighted. I think that I need to be involved in something like this. Uh, Prince William crowned, decrowned, Vin Diesel is the hottest bald man. I totally disagree with that. I think that Dockage is the hottest bald man. I mean, look at that. That's, that is a look of desperation. That's like, that's like my senior old picture. Like I'm posing. It's like my glam shot to be the equipment manager at Indiana University. Got my little IU shirt on. Took me a long time <laughs> to find a picture that actually looked good. But I got to tell you, I'm a sexy, swarthy, telecephalus type freaking handsome man. And like Telly Savalas, don't walk in front of me, people. That's right. You never know what's going to happen. But yeah, Vin Diesel, I was looking at myself, and I was looking at Vin Diesel, and I was looking at Prince, uh, whatever that guy's name, William. That guy's only up there because he's a damn prince or princess or whatever the hell he is. I don't even know what you call him now. These guys, this whole thing is confusing me. Ever, ever since Meghan Markle got into the royal family, I don't know who's what now. People are getting demoted. People are getting promoted. The one guy who, who was on uh, Pedophile Island is talked about being stupid. He lives in a room. I don't know. So whether it's Princess, no, Prince, Ed, whatever that, William, he ain't close to this. He's still trying to, you know, he's got the guardrails, not I. I got a little bit today. I haven't shaved my head, but I'll do that tomorrow, and I'll be glistening. Telly Savalas, look him up. Kojak, who loves you, baby? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel wasn't a movie star. He wouldn't even be on the list. Anyway, I think I should be. Hey, I got two words for you, Ron Rivera. My backside, or as... um. Our president would say, I got two words for you, Ron Rivera. Kiss my backside. <laughs> Joe Biden, we love you. You are the gift that keeps giving, baby. 
Two words for you, Ron Rivera. Kiss my backside. See, Ron Rivera is one of those guys that you want to like, right? He beat cancer, all that kind of stuff. Yay, Rod, go fight win. But yesterday, well, let's play it. Can we play it? Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at this point? Quarterback. Chose the quarterback here, though. So do you have any regrets about that, or how do you? No, I got no regrets about their quarterback. I think our quarterback has done some good things. There's been a couple games that he struggled. Man, the defense is 26th in the league. Ron Rivera's a defensive coach. How about that? Uh, Carson Wentz is fourth in – thank you, beautiful. Carson Wentz is fourth in the league in passing. Carson Wentz made a mistake at the goal line, but Ron Rivera is a defensive coach. His defense stinks. And when I say stinks, he's in the top five worst – top seven worst defenses in the league – and he's going to go ahead and throw a quarterback under the bus? Are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind? Are you insane, Ron Rivera? What is wrong with you? What are you, crazy? Like, how about a coach sitting up there and, and good for Alex Smith last night criticizing Ron Rivera? We can't show it, but on Monday Night Football, one of the countdown shows... Alex Smith, who played for Ron Rivera, reveres Ron Rivera, said, yeah, all that guy did was back the bus up over his quarterback. You know what's interesting about this? It's really, for whatever the reason, and I don't know the reason, it's really, really, really easy to crush Carson Wentz. We've talked about it on this show for a long time. Jimmy Ursay can't stop whining about Carson Wentz. Here, and then he leaves... Frank Reich, the most religious of men, couldn't stop talking about Carson Wentz. Ursay, Carson Wentz, Rivera, Carson Wentz, the people in Philadelphia, Carson Wentz. It's like, it's like Carson Wentz has this hold on everybody where we must talk about Carson Wentz. We feel comfortable criticizing Carson Wentz. And now you've got this coach who hasn't won Jack Squat, whose defense, he's a defensive coach, by the way, is among the worst in the league, and his fat ass is sitting there going, quarterback, very smugly. And then he doesn't understand the follow-up question. You can tell by his eyes, like, well, what did I say wrong? Man, oh, man, it is amazing to me how people can just jump on Carson Wentz. I mean, somebody says the wrong thing about Lamar Jackson, and people go crazy. I mean, crazy. Oh, you can't say that. I mean, you can say whatever you want about Carson Wentz. Hell, Devontae Adams, we'll show you in a little bit, act like a complete idiot. People are protecting him. Draymond Green stands through and punches a guy full force, leaves his feet. And every little slap that was third-team all-conference back in high school say, well, Oh, I see that all the time. No, you don't. I was talking to Urban Meyer about it. He goes, Dan, I had crazy guys. I never saw a guy throw a punch, connect on a punch like that in 38 years of coaching. I got to tell you, I was about 25. I never saw it either. You all, you guys that have never been in coaching, you can say, well, uh, yeah, we saw that at, 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 at Upper Arlington High School. Shut up. Shut the hell up. You didn't see a 6'8", 260-pound guy follow through, leave his feet, and punch a guy. So just stop with the stupid. We'll defend everything. 
but we will never defend Carson Wentz. And I don't get it. I, I honestly don't. I guess he's easy, huh? Religious white dude. Not great, good enough, making a little bit of money. Hell, that idiot Kenny Smith came out and said two or three times a year, I saw that in the NBA. Kenny Smith lying through his teeth. Nobody, and I don't understand why people aren't protecting Jordan Poole. Why are we protecting Draymond Green? Are you afraid of him? Same thing here. Why are we always after Carson Wentz? Why aren't we on the people that are going at Carson Wentz? Ron Rivera was a fool. Jim Irsay was a fool for what they did. Man, your defense stinks, Ron Rivera. Your your coaching has always stunk. Yeah, you're a nice guy with a great story. We all get it. We get it. All right, wonderful. But man, oh man, what a classless dipstick move by an entitled, uh, beleaguered, horrific coach. Jag. Uh, Monday night football was fantastic, and I made the mistake when it was 17 to nothing. I thought, you know what? Raiders surely have to hold on to this. They did not. Raiders are stupid. I mean, let's just be honest. Josh McDaniels is stupid. Going for two, I don't, an analytics guy could tell an NFL coach, go jump off that cliff, uh, and you'll have a 54% chance of survival, and that idiot would go jump off a cliff. I swear to God, hey, analytic guy, should I rob this bank? Well, you know, you got a 49, no, you got a 52% chance of, of getting away with the money. Okay, I'm going to go rob the bank. Just tie the game up. Play defense, you're going to have a chance to win. I mean, my God, a one-point lead does you nothing. Zero. A one-point deficit, and they got the ball, you're done. Analytics, eight. All right, here's what you have to say. I don't want to be that guy. But analytics are for using, not living and dying. By No, I'm going to tell you right now. A football game, a basketball game, as a coach, is organic. It grows. Yeah, you want to know some things. But if you're not smart enough, if you don't know enough to tie that game up, I don't care what some dude that's up there in the booth wants to tell me. If you're not smart enough to tie that game up, you're not smart enough to be an NFL head coach. And then for the love of all things holy, can somebody guard Travis Kelsey? Like, I understand the dumbness, the idiocy of NFL coaches. What NFL coaches care about is Tuesday. NFL coaches care about Tuesday. That's it. What is Tuesday? Payday. That's it. It's an inbred, incestuous kind of a deal. Once you're in, you're in. You don't believe it? See Urban Meyer. He came in and actually kind of kicked backside, and everybody whined and complained. All right, so morons are coaching in the NFL. They're coaching because they're buddies with so-and-so. I don't know who the defensive coordinator is, some guy named Campbell. Some guy named Campbell is an idiot. If you don't know that Travis Kelsey is going to get the ball after two times of Travis Kelsey, you let Travis Kelsey on his fourth touchdown. Not one, not two, not three, fourth touchdown. You let Travis Kelsey wide open in the end zone 
from inside the five-yard line or wherever the heck it was. You're just stupid. They're just stupid. Josh McDaniels is just stupid. Uh, Devontae Adams, he had from me to that wall, and the wall is far away to get two feet in. He got all sexy. He thought he dragged two feet, and then he didn't bother dragging two more. Cost him the game. And then he goes and pushes uh, some little photographer because he can't. And you watch. I haven't seen it yet on any of these shows because everybody's so afraid of the big bad athlete. I got to, and we'll show it to you here in a minute. Let's show them right now. Let's show what this idiot Devontae, I'm saying idiot a lot today, but a lot of people deserve it. Let's show Devontae Adams last night, this genius. Look at this. Look at this tough guy. Oh, you're a badass, Devontae. Yeah. There's a tough guy right there. Look at this. Look at this guy. And everybody will defend him. Well, the guy shouldn't be in his way. I'm not defending. That guy should be suspended, Devontae Adams. Like, what are we doing? We can just shove people. We can just punch people. I mean, think about that right there. This guy is trying to get out of the way. You think a photographer wants to be in the way? He's kind of standing up. He's got equipment. His hands aren't ready, much like Jordan's pools. And this idiot, Adams, is in a helmet and pads. And this tough guy shoves him out of the way. Knocks him down. You got to file charges. Like in a world where everyone whines about everything, people are whining about Troy Aikman saying, uh, wearing a skirt last night. What about this? I'll tell you right now if I'm the prosecutor in this town, I'm prosecuting him. If I'm the prosecutor uh, in Draymond Green, in, in uh, whatever county that is, Alameda County, I'm prosecuting Draymond Green. I had enough. We live in a different world. This isn't 1962. You do this, you got to be prosecuted. You're not going to see any of this on any show because everyone protects the new age athlete. The new age athlete's an entitled idiot. That's what the new age athlete is. And nobody can tell me differently. I see it every freaking day. Every time a guy makes a play, you know, yeah, okay, great. Tell you this, getting to be tough, really tough, watching football. Yesterday during this game, there were two sacks. And the quarterback didn't fall down. How many times was there a rush? Players know. Players know we don't have to tackle. We don't have to hit hard. Every single play is a business decision. Tony Dungy said, this isn't football. He tweeted it last night, and he ain't wrong. And then, of course, you've got the idiotic Carl Chiefers uh, roughing the passer call. Okay. That's roughing the passer because Tony, or what's his name, Kyle Chiefers, said after the game, he's the referee. I just went by the letter of the law. What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? I just get a kick out of it. I just get a kick out of the world that we're living in. Tua got hurt. Okay, he got hurt. What do you want me to do? Tua got hurt. So now nobody's supposed to be tackled because Tua got hurt? Guys have been getting hurt for a long time in football. Nobody's putting a gun to anybody's head to play football. Don't play football. Don't have football. Do whatever you want. But that last night was the second worst call. I think Brady's was the worst call because I actually went back and watched Brady's, and I feel like the guy was trying to hold Brady up. And they told me last night, this guy Carl Chiefers, 
the referee said, yeah, it didn't matter that it was a fumble. It's still roughing the passer. All right. Okay. Now, there's a lot of ways that the Raiders are just stupid, but that wasn't one of them. That's just bad calls. And I've said this before, and I had three, three NFL refs. And, oh, by the way, two white guys, one African-American guy tell me the same thing. Once they got rid of common sense, everybody referees for the replay. And then the NFL wanted all diversity, get the old guys out, and let's get this new breed of ref in. Oh, okay. Because the old guys, the older guys that have been doing it for 20-some years understood common sense. You can tell these young guys and gals how to do it, and they got to do it because they're still scared for their lives. It's amazing, really. But it is absolutely becoming unwatchable. I mean unfreaking watchable Man. And there's nothing less watchable than the new entitled dumbass athlete shoving a guy, leaving his feet to punch a guy. And then you got Kenny Smith saying, well, you know, it happens two or three times. No, it doesn't. No, it really doesn't. Now, every one of you third team guys about this tall and you're scrappy and you got your Letterman's jacket and you wear it on campus and everybody goes, oh, did you go to Upper Arlington? Shut the hell up. A leave your feet, full extended punch to the face of a teammate never happens. I've seen it one time in my life. Look up Rudy Tomjanovich and Kermit Washington. It's the only other time I've seen it. Period. But you know, when we were playing New Albany, we were scrappy. Shut up. You ain't 6'9", 250 or whatever Draymond Green is. Uh, Matt Rule got fired. All right? Matt Rule should have never been hired. Look, I get it. See, you got to understand the incestuous nature of the NFL. So Urban comes in. He doesn't have any background. So all the little Ian Rappaports and all the little guys that are in the media, you're against them already. This guy Rule got a pass for being arguably the worst coach in the history of the NFL because he had been like a line coach 30 years ago. So he comes from college, goes to the NFL, makes a boatload of money, can't win a game, uh, doesn't even look like an NFL coach, but because he was a line coach, all the little clowns that you see on TV, leave him alone because he's one of us. He's in the fraternity. <laughs> Seriously. So now Rule gets about $60 million. He's out. Defensive coordinator Phil Snow's out. Steve Wilkes is in. And, of course, Steve Wilkes is going to get every opportunity uh, because Steve Wilkes got screwed uh, in Arizona. So good for him. Hope he gets opportunity. Hope he get, does something with it. And hope they win a game or two. But so now here's what happens with Rule because he had success at Temple and at Baylor, which apparently everybody can have success at Baylor. This guy becomes a number one candidate at places like Nebraska, Wisconsin. Yeah, be careful. Be very, very careful. $60 million in a guy's pocket. In a guy's pocket can oftentimes lessen motivation for greatness. I'm just telling you, Nebraska fans, I know what you're doing right now. We got to get Matt Rule, man. We got to get Matt Rule. Okay. You got to get Matt Rule. Go get Matt Rule. But be careful. Be very, very careful, as Colonel Klink and Sergeant Schultz used to say in Hogan's Heroes, which probably couldn't be made now because somehow it's a stereotype and you little wokesters would lose your mind. But I love the show, and I still love the show, and don't at me about it. 
Be very, very careful, they would say on the show. Dan, do you just yell about anything? No, I don't. I talk loudly and definitively, and the louder I talk, the more you have to listen. All right, let's continue. Speaking, speaking of the Panthers, running back Christian McCaffrey. The Bills have inquired about Christian McCaffrey. Remember, I told you this going back. The Los Angeles Rams last year set a little bit of a precedent, a little bit of a baseball precedent, a little bit of a precedent that, hey, Let's get better via trade in season. We never really saw that. All of a sudden, here comes Von Miller. Oops. And when you see things like that result in a Super Bowl victory, other teams are certainly going to copy it. Now, who would be the number one team to do that? Certainly, it would be the Buffalo Bills. Last year, we all felt like the Rams were pretty much the best team. This year, we feel like the Buffalo Bills are pretty much the best team. You're not going to see the Chicago Bears do it. No. But the Buffalo Bills adding uh, Christian McCaffrey, interesting. Look, we all t- you guys tell me this, and I'll say, okay, I don't know. Uh, if you guys tell me how great Christian McCaffrey is, when I see Christian McCaffrey, I see a guy that gets hurt. Ah, you guys see differently. But you guys have been playing fantasy football a lot longer than I have. By the way, my fantasy team kicked Armando's backside. Armando's going to join us here in a minute. Okay. All right. So go get Christian McCaffrey. Hope he does as well as OBJ did. I still want the Colts to go get OBJ. As soon as that dude is deemed healthy, I don't care that he's hanging out in LA. I don't care that he's hanging out in New York. Indy's a nice city. He would love it. I want them to get him. We got to turn this around. Just saying. Man, oh man. Today, 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 I love. I don't like. You know I love it. I love day baseball. I love morning tennis. I love morning golf. When I turn on the TV and I see Gary Bettman and Mike Greenberg on, I turn the TV off, which is what I just did. When I turn the TV on and I see they're coming down the fourth hole at the Open Championship or uh, Nadal's playing at Wimbledon in the morning, yeah. When I go to my office and do my show in the afternoon and I got afternoon baseball, noon and two and five and seven and nine, I am two things. All, I got three words for you. I'm all in. Let's <laughs> do that. Seriously, do that for the rest of the day. Do that. It'd be fun. Do that for the rest of the day. I'm all in. Oh, man. That's fun to do. Seriously. I'm all in. I got two words for you. I'm all in. I got the Phillies and the Braves. I like it. I got the, oh, this is going to be a good one. The Guardians and the Yankees. We got Garrett Cole, over six and a half strikeouts. I got it from an inside source, Tucker Barnhart. My friend that is the catcher for the Tigers said, don't bet the over. I'll tell you what, right now, Guardians put the ball in play. Then I've got Quantrill, no, excuse me, Quantrill against Cole. Then I've got Gilbert against Verlander. Danny Plezak, the smartest man in baseball, you see him on the Major League Baseball Network, he comes on our show here. He said on our show, pay attention to the Mariners. Mariners got no quit in them. Mariners have real toughness. They went out and got the Castillo kid who throws it about 100 miles an hour. They went and got him at the All-Star break. Pay attention to the Mariners. Tough task tonight. Verlander, probably a Cy Young Award winner. 
But the fact of the matter is, the Mariners down seven to zip against Toronto in Toronto came back and got her done. Got her done. And then you got the Padres and the, Do- and the Dodgers. This is interesting. Remember the Padres did what we were talking about, what we just were talking about with the Bills, adding a, adding a player at the trade deadline. Ooh, daddy. They added Juan Soto. And Juan Soto at like 12 years old. I mean, Juan Soto, I got ties older than Juan Soto. Juan Soto is used to the big moment. He was champion. Big-time champion. I think he was MVP back in the day. Maybe he wasn't MVP, but he was damn good as a 20-year-old playing for the Nationals, winning a ring, baby. Don't forget about Juan Soto. All right, I got to get to this. I got to get to this before we go. Can we show Lauren Behart's tweet about what is a woman? Trans women, also known as men, will be forced to sign up for the draft. Looks like Joe Biden has just officially uh, confirmed what a woman is and what a woman isn't. Good for Lauren. Good for her. Trans women have to sign up for the draft. Now, if you're a woman transitioning to a man, you don't have to. But if you're a man transitioning to a woman, so all the debate, I guess we could say, what is a woman? Someone that doesn't have to sign up for the draft. Isn't it amazing what we worry about in this country? Like I saw the other day, the Air Force says you can't say mom and dad. Like, I don't know about you, but I've been reading it. It appears that there could be some type of nuclear explosion, nuclear weapon use Uh, maybe two in the next 12 months, and we're worried about saying mom and dad in the Air Force? That's what we're worried about? What a great country. Seriously, what an unbelievable country. I heard yesterday you're not allowed to say guys. You're supposed to say folks. That's what we worry about. What a great country. When that's what we're worried about, wow. All right, I'm all in. I mean, I personally, that's great. All that's fine. But I'm a little more concerned. Oh, I don't know. Does my son have to register for the draft? Is my ki- are my grandkids, uh, if they are ever have grandkids, are they going to live in a world that looks like, I don't know, you ever go to Kona in Hawaii? It's all ash. And then there's a resort on the ocean. What are they going to live? I'm a little more worried about that than whether Troy Aikman said wearing a dress. Just a little bit. Seems reasonable. And then I look at our country and I go, what a country. This is the stuff we're worried about. Hey, uh, Air Force, don't say mom or dad. Yeah, I'm going to say mom and dad till I'm dead. By the way, my mother's on a cruise. Yeah, I still got a mother at my age. That's right. Don't be weird about it. Man. Uh, we're going to talk some college football with Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. We're going to talk a lot of college football. We got, we got a monster for you today. Armando's going to talk about what's going on down in Miami because Miami seems to be the epicenter of everything. And then Aaron Perrine is going to join us. She wrote a great article. She wrote a great article about, ladies and gentlemen, the lack of liberal coverage on abuses in women's sports. And those of you that know me know that I am all in on women's sports. 
Keep it right here. Let's go see the YouTube chat. Let's see if that boy is popping. And uh, we'll be right back with Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE Trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If it is college football, it is Tony Barnhart. Mr. College Football, nice enough to join us. Tony, thanks for the time. Let's jump right in. Broad picture. Big picture this year. So far, what is your thought? What are your thoughts on the college football season? Well, Dan, Dan going in, not a lot has changed, but it's, it's getting ready to change, but not quite yet. We're halfway through, which, I, first of all, I can't believe that. But we're halfway through. But going into the season, I thought it would be Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Well, guess what? It's Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Now, we've got some other interlopers. What about Clemson? What about Michigan? What about UCLA? What about USC? What you know? There, there's a lot of people that are going to be vying to get in that rotation, but right now nothing has shocked. Other than UCLA being undefeated, nothing has shocked me. Well, people, you might be the only one that notices UCLA is undefeated. I've seen their crowds, and it's about you and me, and that's about it. <laughs> well, they were they were talking about you know maybe. You know, Troy Aikman came on and, and he was kind of criticizing his fans. He said, yeah, but when we were number one in the country, we, we didn't fill up the building. That That's a big build. Rose Bowl's pretty big building. And so, uh, but I, I got to I gotta give UCLA credit for, hey, they handled Utah. Utah was my pick to win the uh, Pac-12. They may still do it, but uh, that was, to me, that was a really impressive win. I was at Indiana, actually. Uh, Urban and I were, were – just standing in the end zone for the second half of the Michigan game. Um, I thought Michigan was okay. Like I think JJ yep. McCarthy can really throw it, but I'm not, I'm not a, I don't know. I, I've not seen Georgia or Alabama or Ohio state in person. He had, and he told me, yeah, this isn't close. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Give, it, it can, is Michigan the fourth team right now? And can they go in with a one loss? Yeah. Well, let's take Let's take that apart one one piece at a time. Is Michigan the solid number four? I've got Clemson as my number four. Is they're getting better? The quarterback's playing better. They've got the the one of the best defensive lines you're going to see. So right now, I've got Clemson four and Michigan five. I'm not totally sold on Michigan. I like what Ohio State does, but if you're Michigan, you say, okay, can we beat Ohio? Can we lose to Ohio State and pull an Alabama and get in the way that Alabama got in in 2017? They didn't. Alabama didn't play in the SEC championship game. They were just uh, – they only had one loss. So that if either you're going to beat Ohio State or you're going to try to get in with one, can you do it? You, you tell me, Dan. Does a, does a one-loss Michigan get in ahead of a one-loss Alabama or a one-loss Georgia? No. I don't think no. so. I don't think so. The whole thing gets turned on its head if Tennessee beats Alabama this weekend in Knoxville, does it not? How cool would that be? I mean, how cool would that be? I mean, this is the biggest game they've played in Knoxville probably since 98 
when they when they broke the losing streak against Florida uh, on a missed field goal in overtime by Florida. I was there. The the uh, the press box almost came down. So they are so excited to be in this position in Josh Heupel's second year for us to have this kind of conversation about Tennessee. They're excited, and yeah. If the, here's the deal: if Bryce Young can't go, Alabama, in my opinion can't score enough points. I think you got to score 30, 35 points to win this game, and Alabama doesn't have 35 points if Bryce Young doesn't play or if he's limited in any way. You know, did, let, let, let me, I'm going to try to say this so it could be understood. I, sometimes I ramble. Alabama close against Tennessee or Texas. Alabama mm-hmm. at home against what's not been a great Texas A&M team. Does well? Does a one-loss Alabama get in, or do those two? You see what I'm saying? Do those two close games lessen their margin for error? Let's put it that way. Well, th- this is how Alabama gets in with a one-loss team. They they win everything else. They go to the SEC championship game. They play under. They're undefeated. Georgia's undefeated. Georgia wins on a field goal at the buzzer. Great college football <laughs> game. You're not leaving Alabama out, okay? They're in. Yeah. Now, if they lose one of these games yeah. leading up to the SEC championship game, if they win the SEC championship game, they're still in because they're the SEC champions. So I, I see a couple of different paths for Alabama. SC and USC, where are SC and UCLA? Where are they at, Tony? Well, that's that's going to be the hot hot debate because. You know the SEC champs getting in. You know you know Ohio State's going to get in if they went out. Clemson's probably going to get in if they went out. And what what it will come down to, I think, uh, is first of all the Pac-12 champion has to go undefeated. Okay, let's start with that. Thirteen and zero. I don't think they get in at twelve and one. So let's start, let's say they go thirteen and zero. And now your choice is Dan Dockage for the fourth spot because the other Georgia's at one. Ohio State's two, Clemson's at three, and now you got to pick a fourth team. And your choices are a one-loss Michigan that lost to Ohio State, all right, uh, or an undefeated UCLA or USC. Does an undefeated UCLA or USC get into the fourth spot over a one-loss Georgia, one-loss Alabama? Or or uh, I think they a do. one-loss Clemson doesn't get in, but what if they're undefeated? So – I, th- I think it's going to come down to the second team in the SEC versus the Pac-12 champion, and what kind of shape is the Pac-12 champion in? Look, I look at who Michigan's played and who they play, and I, you know, that I, I didn't last year set a precedent a little bit for being undefeated with Cincinnati getting in there, or was that kind of an outlier? It it did, but you always got to remember that Oklahoma State did not win the Big 12 championship because they finished the game on the one-foot line, okay? And if Oklahoma right. wins that game, they're in the college football playoff and not Cincinnati. Everything broke right for Cincinnati last year. And if you're in if you're in the uh, group of five, everything's got to break right for you as well. Yeah, that's kind of that, – that, that people forget that, right? They just assume, well, an undefeated team got in, so an undefeated mm-hmm. team should get in. But But – this had to happen. That had to happen. That had to happen for that. And is it? Do you feel that's the same thing 
with the Pac-12 undefeated team or being the Pac-12 champ and being undefeated moves you in there regardless of what the Big 12 does, something like that. No, that's no question to me that a big a Pac-12, an undefeated Pac-12 champion is in the discussion. But what? who else is in that discussion for that fourth spot? And we've seen this committee act before, Dan. We know that they like the SEC. Uh, let, let's just face it. And it, <laughs> it, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing which it's going to really come down to, Dan, more than anything else. If Georgia and Alabama are both undefeated going into the SEC championship game, one versus two, one versus three, whatever it's going to be, if both of those teams are undefeated going into the SEC championship game, the winner is certainly getting in, and I think the loser's getting in. I think they both get in if they're both undefeated. Uh, just like Alabama last year, they lost to Texas A&M, which meant Alabama had to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game to get in. And that's what they did as a one loss team. Same thing here. Uh, I think a, if Georgia and Alabama are both undefeated December 3rd in Atlanta, they're both getting in. Unless, unless it's a weird blowout or something like that. Let, let me go. Let me go to, you know, Michigan and Penn State still in there. Penn State still yep. sitting there undefeated, right? They they meet up this weekend. So that's yep. a big one. And to the Big Ten, I don't think it's quite – to the Big Ten, it, it's it's the Alabama-Tennessee game, right? I mean, so this yep. this game eliminates somebody, right? Well, that's a good – we got a bunch of elimination games coming up. We got, a, what, three top ten teams uh, this weekend? Uh, a bunch of these teams are starting to play each other because you're getting deep into the conference schedule. We got 10, all 10 of the AP poll are undefeated. In three weeks, that will not be the case. We're getting, we're getting into our elimination phase of college football, and the next few weeks are going to be a lot of fun. Tony, if you go to a 12 team playoff, let's say for the sake of argument or eight, whatever you want to say, does that eliminate what you just said? No, I, th- I think it enhances more teams possibly getting in. I, I, I told this to some people the other day. Think, so think about this with a 12-team playoff. We're at this time of year where it, it, if you had a 12-team playoff, you're really playing for one of three things. One is to just to get into the playoff. That's number one. Number two, to be a seed five through eight. Because if you're a seed five through eight, guess what? you get to play a home game to open up the playoffs. Or, preferably, you want to be a seed one through four because you get a buy in the first round, which will be enormous at that time of year. So basically, you're playing for three different things down the stretch, which means that more games will impact this. You know, we, we won't have this, well, it's going to be Georgia and Alabama and Clemson and somebody else. No, no, we're going to be talking about a lot of teams who have a lot to play for down the stretch, and that's what's going to make it fun. Where's Matt Rule going to end up, if anywhere? If Nebraska, Trev Alberts, Trev, buddy, you don't know me from Adam, but you ought to be on a plane right now meeting Matt Rule in the Charlotte airport right now and getting this thing that He is the perfect fit for you. And I don't want to say you're desperate, but you're desperate. 
and you better go lock that guy up for so somebody else does. Because he doesn't have another job. It's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with like you, you know, you don't have a coach at Nebraska. You don't have a full-time coach. Matt Rule doesn't have a job. You ought to go lock him up right now. Why is he the perfect fit? What makes him the perfect fit? Look at what he did at Temple. He rebuilt at Temple. He took Baylor from the ashes of the Art Briles scandal and rebuilt them and, and gave the program to Dave Aranda, who's done great with it, by the way. He's a really good coach. But the guy has proven he can rebuild programs. He knows what it takes. He's got a dynamic personality. He will he, he can charm birds out of the trees. He, those Nebraska people will absolutely love Jim Leonard off to a good start at Wisconsin, right? I mean, he people love that guy there. Got a real shot there, does he not? Yeah, he does. Everything I have heard about him. I, I will say this, since you and I haven't talked in a while, the Paul Chris thing, I know they were struggling, but Wisconsin? Wisconsin firing their football coach in the middle of the season? What a, what an un-Wisconsin-like thing that is to do. I never, you know, I'd... I know Barry Alvarez pretty well. I don't. I don't know if his fingerprints are on this, but I. I was stunned. That just. I guess it gives you an indication of how bad things were because that was a very un-Wisconsin-like thing to do. But yeah, everything I've heard about Jim Leonard is that the guy knows. He knows. He knows football and he knows people. Is one of the things I was told. Let me. You've been around this forever, Tony. And not that you're old. You're young. You started as a prodigy at eight years old. And Absolutely. You've been around this for. Yeah. Um, walk me through why you fire guys at midseason. There's a lot of talk about you want to get in the next ahead of the next recruiting cycle. Maybe they're trying to save a season. I mean, what is your take on firing guys midseason? All, all of the above, because what has there's several elements involved, and all of them go back to recruiting. They, they didn't always go back to, to recruiting. Because you've got the early signing period now. Back in the old days, when Dan, when you and I were growing up, you fired a coach at towards the end of the year if you had if you knew you were going to make a change because you had all the way to the second Wednesday in February before you had to sign any football players. Now the whole recruiting calendar is turned upside down. Uh, you, you can sign guys in December. Guys are committing in the summertime more than they ever have for the following year. And so you felt like you got it. You got to send a signal to recruits, like, "Hey, we're on this. We, we're we're looking for a coach right now." So when our assistant coaches come to see you, understand we're working on it. But it's it's it all comes down to recruiting. And the other factor, and it shouldn't be, but the other is, is these athletic directors who need money like crazy have to calm down the big money boosters because they're going to be raising cane. They want you to do something. Somebody's head has got to roll if you're playing poorly. You know, like poor poor Brian Harson at Auburn. He's just sitting there waiting, waiting on the phone call. You know, it, it's going to happen somewhere along. We know it's going to happen. But uh, that's just the, because of the recruiting calendar, that's where we are. I call it, I call it waiting to die. You're just, <laughs> you're just waiting to die. I, I, you can't – to your point, Tony – you can't tell me that Illinois and Brett Bielema coming into Wisconsin and beating them, which gives Brett Bielema and his wife the big middle finger to the entire state of Wisconsin. You can't tell me that those big money guys didn't sit there, march into the office and say, get rid of this guy, Chris. I've got a couple of close Wisconsin friends 
who basically told me, he says, you can't let Brett Bielema come in and take your candy and slap you upside the head. He, he didn't just beat Wisconsin. He embarrassed Wisconsin. And you get embarrassed by Brett Bielema at home? No, you don't. You, you probably don't survive that. We disappointed right now, and even though Levis didn't play, are we disappointed in Kentucky? Well, I still think they're 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 a good team without it. mistakes, 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 turnovers, just dumb stuff that Mark Stoops teams usually don't do. And so, it, but it, this much is clear: the, the backup quarterback was not ready for prime time the other night. So I'm I, I am disappointed because when they beat Florida, I said, you know what, they may. They may get on a little run here, but your quarterback, your quarterback who by all likes likelihood is going to be one of the top quarterbacks taken in the draft, if not the quarter number one, he gets inside the red zone with two chances to win and fumbles twice. You've got young man, you've got to protect the football. No matter you may be trying to get extra yardage, that's great, but your number one job is to protect the football, and you didn't do it not once but twice with the game on the line. Horrible loss. Horrible loss. Are we believing in Hottie Toddy? Are we believing in Mississippi? I'm, I'm coming around, Dan, because here's the deal. Two weeks ago, when Ole Miss played Kentucky, I picked Kentucky to win that game straight up. They were they were a seven-point underdog. I picked them to win straight up because, to quote the late Pat Dye, I'm not sure – I was not sure if Ole Miss was man enough to play Kentucky, right? Kentucky's a very physical, strong football team. But you know what? Ole Miss can run the ball. They can run the ball. They can be physical. I was very impressed with uh, what they have done so far. And the great state of Mississippi is 11, combined 11 and 1 in the SEC. How in the world LSU beat Mississippi State is beyond me. But they did. But those two schools are 11 and 1. Holy cow, with the Egg Bowl coming up in November. Oh, won't that be fun? Are we, you know, LSU got their you-know-what kicked. Uh, Tennessee went down there. Brian Kelly is not a Southerner. Brian Kelly's from Boston. You can't have too many of them. I'm not saying in your first year, and he did beat LSU. Great comeback. I watched the game. But he ain't from there. He's from Boston. He can fake an accent. You can't have too many of those. Well, I understand. But here's what I found over the years, Dan. When you start winning, it's amazing how people start forgetting about that stuff. It's amazing what a great fit you are for that situation once you start winning. Of all the games that surprised me, this one shocked me, not only for uh, for Tennessee to go to Baton Rouge and win, which they played at 11 o'clock in the morning. I think I'll, I'll throw that in there. That was not conducive to LSU's strength. But to, to win that way totally shocked me and uh, – uh, and that makes me think that uh, they got a shot against Alabama this week. They really do. They're playing playing at Rocky Top. Got a hot quarterback and thrown an interception this year. Could be fun. Both Billy Donovan and Urban Meyer told me at Florida, winning takes care of Billy being from New York and Urban being from Ohio. Winning takes care of all that. That doesn't even, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but if all you right, win, last you thing before I let you go. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it, it, if you're winning, it doesn't matter if you're from Mars, okay? It, does, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> winning cures all ills. Always has, always will. 
No doubt. Hey, last thing before I let you go. This has been a lot of fun, by the way. What does what does uh, Tennessee have to do to beat Alabama? Oh, protect the football. Protect the football. Get and and, and what we learned in the in the national championship game is it, let's assume that Bryce Young can go. Okay, if he can go, you have got to keep constant pressure on him because he kills you moving around in the pocket and finding somebody to throw to, and he's really good at it. So you've got to keep pressure on him all day. And here's what we don't know, Dan, is it's one thing to be able to throw it, but there's a certain level, and you know this as a former player, there's a certain um, part of pain management that's involved in something like this. I can throw it, but you know what? When I throw it, it really hurts. And if it really hurts when I throw it, am I going to throw it as hard as I need to throw it to fit it into that small window? And that's what you don't know. Yeah, and I, I look, I'm, I don't know enough about it, but I know this. I was at that game last year in Tuscaloosa, and I know the spread. It got out. I got a little out of hand in the fourth quarter, but a short uh, – uh, what, what was the right way uh, – uh, a team that was a little bit uh, short-staffed played their brains out for about three quarters in that game. They, they yeah. played – I'm saying Tennessee. They played pretty daggone good until a couple mistakes got them in the fourth. Well, and, and that will be the case here. Tennessee – now, Tennessee is going to come out smoking. I can promise you that. It's not going to be any of this, well, let's run the ball and shorten the game. No, 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 no. They're going to come out smoking and challenging that Alabama secondary. And – uh it's going to – and remember, Tennessee didn't even, Tennessee did not even have its best wide receiver on the field last week against LSU, Cedric Tillman. He'll be back for this game. So this this is going to – I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be wild. Tony, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. That was a ton of fun for me, Tony. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dan. Always enjoy it. Man, that to me, that now that's a, I love talking college football. It is my favorite sport. I'll watch it from noon until two in the morning, whatever we got to do. And this week coming up is going to be an absolute freaking blast. Amando Segura is going to join us coming up here in a few minutes. But I got to tell you, this weekend, it's on. It is like Michigan Penn State. That's a noon game. It's it's good. That it's not a night game. It's not a whiteout. You know, that kind of thing. It is in Ann Arbor. I get it. So Michigan gets a break. They get to play maybe, I don't know, one of two teams all year that they're not going to be this massive favorite. I'm fascinated by I really am. I'm absolutely fascinated. Armando's going to join us. Aaron Perrine's going to join us. If you want to know who Aaron is, just go follow her on Twitter, E-R-I-N-P-E-R-R. I-N-E, fantastic follow, wrote an article about where is the liberal media covering the abuses. And, I mean, these are serious abuses in women's professional soccer. And not only in women's professional soccer, but in women's sports in general. Like, holy cow. Honest to God. Where where are we? Uh, I'm waiting. I don't know about you guys. If you can, can you guys show once again that clip? of Devontae Adams shoving that photographer. We may, you know, I don't know what those guys are over there, if they can do it. But I got to tell you, I'm waiting to see what happens. We get so upset about words. Look at this. What? Now, you're going to say that's no big deal. Really? You don't think so, huh? In this day and age, 
where we whine, cry, moan about words. The Air Force not allowed to say mom and dad. We whine, cry, and complain about words. And you see this, or you see the Draymond Green punch, and you tell me that's nothing? Like, people say, well, Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr. You got video of it? Now, you throw some video of it, and the whole deal changes. Now, you can say whatever you'd like, but you throw some video up there, and the entire deal changes. By the way, later on in the show, you're going to want to stay for this. I've got the five most ridiculous, ridiculously politically motivated things that have happened over the last week or two. I think you're going to laugh at some of them. It includes, well, everything's got to include the freaking clown that is Stacey Abrams. I mean, are you kidding me? Of course Biden has to be involved. I mean, Joey B must be involved. All kind of people upset about a flag because, well, we get upset about a flag. Armando's going to join us. Aaron Perrine's going to join us. This is a massive show. Go tell your friends right now. Go tell your damn friends that Dockage is on one today. Yeah, he is. Raiders are stupid. Devontae Adams, you can be all the mad you want. But I got to tell you, if I'm that photographer, I don't know if I'm suing, but I'll tell you this, I'm filing charge. I've had enough of athletes. Like, athletes whine. Who was the guy Kyler Murray went into the crowd to taunt the Las Vegas Raiders fan? He gets touched and everybody loses their mind. These dudes are pushing people, punching people. Screw these entitled guys. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the great Armando Salguero. Um, Who catches touchdowns in the red zone? I'll tell you who. Travis freaking Kelsey. I'll also tell you who doesn't guard Travis Kelsey in the red zone? The Las Vegas Raiders. Thank you very much for um, for chiming in on my trademark Twitter uh, <laughs> moment there, Dan. I, you know, somebody last night said that phrase is going to be on your tombstone, and I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. If you know, it's going to be a long while, but yeah, I'll take it. No problem. Tight ends—they're a matchup problem. 
Man, I swear to God, after the second one, I might have put three guys and just face guarded him like the big kid in basketball. You just kind of stare at him. You know what I mean? Don't don't let him catch two more. Well, it's like, so how did the Las Vegas Raiders defensive meeting last week go? So one coach is like, they've got this number 87, Kelsey. He's all right. What are we going to do with him in the red zone? And the other coach goes, eh, yeah, we don't have to worry about him. He's, it'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be okay. Uh, four touchdown passes later. Uh, hello? Hello? <laughs> Friend of mine was Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator. Uh, and I said, okay, t- walk me through it. He said, okay. So you, you play on Sunday, Monday morning, first thing, 6 a.m., whatever time. He'll walk into the defensive meeting and say, this guy, this guy, and this guy don't beat us. Figure it out. Let's have a meeting at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock tonight. That's always the thing. Like, Doc, uh, Dan and Armando might beat you, but Kelsey ain't beating us. You know what I mean? Now, it doesn't always work. But I feel exactly what you said. Like, there was no plan, and then there was no adjustment to that lack of plan last night. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the Belichick uh, approach. It's the perfect approach. So an offense has a strength. We're going to make them play away from their strength. We're going to do whatever we can to take that strength away and then if they can beat us with their third best guy, their second best guy, then they're just better than us. But they're not going to beat us with their best guy. We're not that dumb. We're going to take that guy out of the game and then see what they can do with everybody else. Uh, it's, just, it's just smart football, and the Raiders didn't play it last night. And it's weird because we're talking about a team that is coached by Josh McDaniels, who comes from where? New England. I mean, he knows this stuff. It's amazing. Um, Do you think the last two really bad uh, roughing the passer calls, one last night and then the one against Brady, were they an overcorrection to what happened with Tua? Well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask the NFL, the answer is no. If you ask Carl Jeffers, who was the official last night, the answer is no. Jeffers talked to the pool reporter after the game last night and said that his call was based on the rule where the defender is not allowed to use his entire body weight to fall on the quarterback, that the quarterback is allowed that protection. Um, the defender landing on his full body weight is against the NFL rules right now relative to the quarterback in the pass pocket. So they would say, no, they're not going to change the rule this season, Dan. They are, the NFL is meeting next week in New York, and the rule will be discussed, but it will not be changed at all. And if it is changed, it'll have to wait until the spring when the competition committee, uh, you know, proposes that. Now, that's asking the NFL. 
if you ask the other 360 million people in the country, <laughs> of course it's messed up. It's, it's, it's weird. First of all, you're asking defenders to, to suspend animation, to suspend the rules of, of gravity. If you're falling and you're 325 pounds, you're going to fall. And how do you make your fall uh, less, I guess, heavy? <laughs> if, you're, if you're in the middle of a play, and oh, by the way, their 325-pound offensive lineman uh, may or may not be on you and may or may not be holding you and may or may not be biting you, but you have to somehow not fall so hard that the official determines in his best judgment, because this is not uh, you know, a, a black and white issue, in his best judgment that you tried not to fall with your entire 325 pounds. It's a ridiculous, it's, it's a ridiculous rule. Um, and I know what they're trying to do, Dan. They're trying to protect quarterbacks. And look, 25 of these quarterbacks are making over $25 million a year in the NFL this year. So you got to protect those guys. Those are the face of the franchise. But there's got to be something different. There's got to be, like, something different. You know, Armando, what would you think about the Brady one? I'm gonna, I actually thought that the Brady one, the guy tried not to slam him down I I, I what did you think of that one it looked exactly to me like the Tua sack last, the previous Thursday where the guy grabs the quarterback and slings him across and down he goes most quarterbacks don't get hurt in that situation quarterback injuries typically happen number one when the defender has a free shot at his back or his front torso and you break ribs or you, you injure, you know, your back or when the defender falls on the shoulder and on the throwing shoulder. And I understand the idea of, you know, that's where the weight of your entire body falling on the quarterback comes in. But when you basically just grab the guy and sling him, uh, typically most NFL quarterbacks that are wearing flat jackets and themselves are 220, 225 pounds, they can handle that. Um, uh, I don't think that that should have been a, a you know, a, a, a personal foul penalty. Uh, on the other hand, the Tampa Bay Bucks would say, the officials missed a holding call the play before. Right. And so, you know, uh, let's right. just say that right. NFL officials are under, are under a lot of, uh, uh, under the gun right now. Let's say that. When, 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 when do you think Tua plays again? I don't believe it'll be this week. He hasn't started football, um, activities yet. Look, um, I've told a lot of people before Tua got hurt, 
The Miami Dolphins have a player called uh, named Seathan Carter, who's a tight end slash fullback. He had a concussion the first week of the season, and he hasn't played since. And so what is the narrative that the Dolphins don't care about their players with concussions and Mike McDaniel doesn't care? The guy hasn't played in six weeks. The first guy that they had with a concussion. I would be stunned if Tua is able to play this week. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, much less surprising, my guess is that Teddy Bridgewater does play this week. He uh, is in the concussion protocol like Tua, but unlike Tua, he didn't suffer a concussion uh, on Sunday against the New York Jets. He was taken out of the game and put in the concussion protocol because the NFL spotter said that he or she spotted him um, you know, suffering from ataxia, um, which suggests that he was unable to keep his feet and he stumbled. Uh, there's been no stumbling that I saw, but that's the new uh, NFL that we're seeing now. And, and so people understand, just because you go into the concussion protocol doesn't mean you have a concussion. I think when people see you know, concussion protocol, they immediately assume, well, he's got a concussion. No, it's a protocol. They're trying to find out what's going on here. Right. And in Teddy Bridgewater's case, he doesn't have a concussion. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I, I, I watched the whole incident right after he was sacked. Uh, he looks over to the bench and he gives them the you know, the thumbs up. And in my country, the thumbs up, that means you're okay. Uh, and he's saying that to his bench. Um, so he was fine. And obviously the NFL did not think so. Dolphin fans are very displeased about this because not only did they have to play with their second string quarterback against the Jets, they then had to play with their third string quarterback against the Jets. And it was a butt whipping and, you know, forward we go. You know, okay, so the answer to that, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, the thumbs up to, to the media now means nothing because the narrative has become, well, we got to protect players from themselves. That's the narrative. Well, you know what? I understand that, but it's not my job to protect the player, right? Uh, it's my job to hold the NFL accountable, the team accountable, and players accountable and see what the situation is and see what the truth is. It's not agenda-driven. I'm, You know, I'm not here for an agenda. I'm here for the truth. And if the truth is... He's, he's messed up. He got a concussion. He needs to come out. But similarly, if the truth is he got hit and he's a, you know, he's a grown ass man and he's fine and he walked away and he's not, it's not a problem, then that should be the truth. And we should go with that. Well, speaking of the truth, and we got to go back because I, I think you, 
Well, you were on last week with me after everybody lost their mind and accused the Dolphins of lying about a back injury to Tua. You believe, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you believe the truth to be that Tua did have a back injury, not a concussion, and that the Dolphins did not put him at risk, right? I believe that they followed the protocol. And guess what? The NFL investigation that came up that came out after our appearance together. And thank you again for uh, having me on your show. It's, it's amazing, this show. And I'm humbled to be here. Um, and I say that truly. I don't say that, you know, jokingly. I joke with you a lot, but that's not it. Um, this is a great show. The NFL investigation that came out after that appearance proved everything that was said on the appearance. The Dolphins followed the yeah. protocol. The Dolphins didn't put Tua in in a game at Cincinnati um, despite him be having a concussion because it wasn't proven that he had one. And the, the Dolphins afterward uh, followed the protocol as well. Now, the NFL is changing right. the protocol and has changed the protocol. And now, under the new rules... Tua wouldn't have played at Cincinnati, but you don't get to put the toothpaste back in the, you know, in the little <laughs> toothpaste thing. Uh, at the time, they did what they needed to do according to the rules that were present at the time. Why, why wouldn't he have been able to play, Armando? Well, because, um, so... What happened at the Buffalo game the Sunday before where he was knocked down by Matt Milano and he came up and he did, uh, you know, stumble and he did, in fact, show signs that would have put him in the concussion protocol. And it's pretty much uh, impossible for a player that's in the concussion protocol on a Sunday to get out by Thursday. It's it's just I got gotcha. you. Uh, not feasible. I got you. No, I got you. So it would have been more of a there there what you're saying, at least as the way I read it, is there are um what's the right you basically when you see that the eye test tells you this may be a concussion, you immediately go into the protocol, whereas you didn't immediately go into the protocol if people say it was a back injury. The eye test puts you in the protocol. Correct. And that's exactly what put Teddy Bridgewater in the protocol. He was uh, disqualified from the rest of the game based on a spotter seeing him, quote unquote, stumble. And so that's that's the that's the line now. You know, if if a if a spotter who is, I would say, in a press box. Maybe. 50 yards up in the air. Um, if a if a spotter sees that, uh, you're out of the game. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, uh, it, it's a it is interesting because that's a powerful position. You, you know, a, yeah, you, you can deter. You, you you just said players are mad. They got to play their third string quarterback based on a stumble. That might you can take people out of the game for the rest of the freaking game based on that. That is a hell of a position to be in. 
Right. And here's the part that is kind of uncomfortable to me. That's a hell of a position to be in. And no one really knows who these people are. Right. And, and they don't have to answer to anyone publicly. They, uh, I'm sure the NFL will, will install a system to grade them. But uh, even, you know, officials, there are pool reports where a reporter can go into the official locker room and ask questions like what happened last night in Kansas City. But with these spotters, um, they're basically, I wouldn't say above the law, but certainly above uh, scrutiny, public scrutiny. Yeah, and I don't. Everybody else is under pretty big scrutiny, but that most powerful position, man, man. All right, brother. Hey, have a great, great week, and I always appreciate you coming on, and thank you, sir, for the kind words. All right, Dan. Always a pleasure, my man. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, look, give Armando Seguero a follow. Um, look, here, here's the deal. He is... I think one of the smartest guys you're ever going to be. A-R-M-A-N-D-O-S-A-L-G-U-E-R-O. Follow him. Give him a follow. I think you're going to like it. I do. Uh, by the way, an update. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you knew this was coming because, well, remember yesterday Ron Rivera said, well, the problem is quarterback. So here's what Ron Rivera had to say. I was fortunate enough that our media relations contacted uh, Carson Wentz and let him know. And I actually talked to Carson. In fact, I talked to the whole team. I had a Maya Copa moment and I should have known better. I create a little bit of a distraction. And that's one thing I try not to do. It's, you know, it's the one thing that I'm very aware of. Again, it's one of those things that when you misstep, people can't wait to dive into it and jump into it and hold on to it without the opportunity to explain yourself. That's on me. I should know better. That's not a misstep that you did not have the opportunity to, you had plenty of opportunity to clarify your statement, Ron Rivera. It was only when the people made a big deal about it. And why were you wrong? Why, why, why is Ron Rivera backstabbing? Not Ron backstabbing. Why is Ron Rivera backpedaling? I mean, you think the quarterback's wrong? You're the head coach. Uh, screw it. I mean, you, you, you're the head coach. He's the head coach. He thinks the quarterback's a problem. Okay. He said the quarterback's a problem. He looked around like, well, why are you guys bothering me with this? Of course, quarterback's a problem. Uh, you know, uh, somebody gets their feelings hurt. I got two words for you. <laughs> well, uh, hey, play better, to quote the great Joe Biden. Hey, play better. I mean, damn. You said what you said. Now you're going to go back? Man, oh man. Are players that sensitive? I mean, are, are, are professional athletes really that sensitive? Are they really that sensitive? I mean, damn, I thought we we're all men. I'm a man. That's all I ever hear. I'm a man. Really? You're a man. You can't handle a coach uh, saying that? All right. Man, oh man, grow a pair. All I ever hear 
is, well, you know, we're men. That's all I ever hear out of professional athletes. So somebody says one thing and not a coach? Man, oh, man. Hey, Dylan, is Aaron ready? Man, oh, man. I'm really looking forward to this interview because, uh, hey, Aaron. Hey, how are you, Dan? I'm good. I'm really looking forward to this. I will tell you why. My wife is, uh, I oversell her a little bit, she says, but she's a legendary Hall of Fame uh, coach in women's softball at Syracuse and Bowling Green, Hall of Fame player at Toledo. My stepdaughter is currently a third baseman for the Harvard softball team. Uh, So I'm very, very big on women's sports, and I'm very, very big on cutting out the abuses that seem to happen in women's sports. Aaron, and you wrote a great article uh, on OutKick about where is the media on this? We can't wait to jump on certain things, but this is egregious what's going on here, and there more needs to be more attention to it. Absolutely. There needs to be significantly more attention to this because it's a huge story. What has happened in national women's soccer was a systemic abuse going on years, years, and players came forward. And this involves some of the biggest names that the country knows in women's soccer. Alex Morgan was advocating for her teammate, trying to help her get the story about abuse that she had sustained under the coach to the National Women's Soccer League. They did nothing about it. Former acting attorney general Sally Yates has put forward a huge report regarding what happened. She interviewed over 200 people to talk about what happened and the real lack of coverage. Sure, plenty of places have done the check the box, write a baseline story. But this is huge systemic physical, sexual and mental abuse of female athletes and the silence is deafening when it comes to the legacy media on this. It should be a conversation. Everybody remembers Leah Thomas in the fall, the UPenn swimmer, the transgender swimmer who was breaking records and winning championships and how the left-wing media demanded that we all validate that and have that conversation. But now that women are being physically attacked in sports, according to these reports, real disgusting, disturbing reports about what has happened to female athletes, This is not part of the larger conversation. You can't check a box on these things. And when the media gives more time to Leah Thomas than they do to years of professional female athletes being abused at the hands of general managers and coaches and really owners as well, that says everything you need to know about where we are as a society. It undermines the legitimacy of women's sports when we don't fight to protect women And instead, we give more coverage to transgender athletes or to any other number of things, but not this in the national conversation. You know, you know what's interesting, and I hope I can paint this picture. Larry Nassar, for years at Michigan State and in the U.S. women's gymnastics program, was allowed to do the heinous things that he did, in my opinion, for a variety of reasons, one of which was a very cozy media in East Lansing with Michigan State. It wasn't until a couple of women reached out to folks, Maria Kwiatkowski at the Indianapolis Star, and an investigation started, which exploded the whole Nasser thing. I got to tell you, Aaron, 
I look at this the exact same way. Somebody needs to, in in the, what'd you call it? Legacy media. The legacy media needs to open this up. And I think you're going to see a whole Nasser type thing. You absolutely could. And to the credit of these players, last year they did step forward to The Athletic and have a full conversation with a reporter, which is how this story got out in the first place and then led to the Sally Yates report that we're seeing now. But the total lack of silence about this, I mean, we are talking about players who were abused by their coaches. And when they spoke up, the coach wasn't fired, not for that cause. In fact, the coach was given a glowing recommendation to get a job at another team when the coach, the GM, and the owner were all on the email that went to the league regarding what had happened to these athletes. And what happened to the players? They were benched, they were traded, or they were sent to other countries to play while the perpetrator, the abuser, was protected by the league. How can we ever stand there? And today is is International Girls Day. When you're looking at one in three girls are playing sports in high school, we have a real conversation when we aren't protecting them from what could be systemic abuse. And this is actually, you know, you'll see an E60 on this, you'll see some coverage, but the fact that the Today Show, GMA, you know, Good Morning America, these kind of broadcasts aren't talking about this, aren't covering this story is really disheartening. And, and, you know, th- there's congressional oversight that certainly can happen in this. But I think the bigger part is all of these female athletes who have huge megaphones, like your Alex Morgans, like your Megan Rapinos, are standing up and trying to shine a light on this. And yet still, it's not getting covered the way it should because it is an absolutely monumental story about abuse of female athletes. Why do you feel it's not, I mean, not, why? What, 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 why would not the legacy media cover this? Why, why isn't this a bigger story in your opinion? I think there are a few ways that that can be read, right? I think one is that it doesn't fit the narrative of what they're trying to pursue. To the Leah Thomas example I gave earlier, that fits this kind of woke cultural you see within the legacy media to stand up and say they will cover that breathlessly, but they will not cover the attack here as breathlessly. And I don't know if it's on purpose or not, and I certainly can't give intent, but to not be talking about this and to not be covering this delegitimizes women's sports, delegitimizes the empowerment, the opportunity and the ability for women to succeed, not only in sports, but beyond when we don't cover it. And it really does speak to an undermining of women at every level of our culture. If we cannot have this frank conversation, I never want to be chosen or sidelined for anything in my career or my life because I'm a woman. But the fact is that this is happening in women's sports. And if it happened in any other league, you better believe it would be getting the coverage that it should be getting. And so I think it's I think it's a little bit on purpose, but I also think it just doesn't fit with the legacy media wants for clicks and sales and eyes right now. You know, what I'm fascinated by I'm fascinated by how we get so upset about words. We, we, it, it, but when heinous actions are done, like what we're talking about here, we kind of look at it's not as big a deal as somebody saying the wrong word. You know, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people people make mistakes and they give a lot of power to word. But to action, to your point, 
we're not we're not hearing that same coverage over action over the fact that a player was encouraged by her coach to come watch tape in his hotel room and she showed up and he was just in his boxers and asked her to sit on the bed that's sexual abuse and harassment by a coach and the national women's soccer league covered it up but nobody's talking about it that is so unbelievable to me that I actually started talking about this a few weeks ago. I was like, I can't believe nobody is really talking about this. And until I wrote the piece and and kudos to Outkick for covering it because other people aren't willing to have this conversation because I fall to the right side of the political spectrum and they think that that motivates this. I'm motivated in this instance by protecting women and empowering women because I think that female sports is an incredible opportunity for women in this world. And we are actually seeing that change, right? We're seeing the first women's soccer stadium in the country. Big headways are coming through. Women are really getting their moment, but it's still not going to be enough when we don't protect them from this kind of abuse and we don't shine a light on it. You know, um, one of the things that uh, Alex Morgan and the, the, the women that you're talking about, and you said this earlier, everybody does know. Um, if I'm a reporter, it, I get it if I'm talking about it. I mean, who cares what I have to say? But how does somebody just say no? And I'll, and I'll give you an example. When you, when you wrote your piece, so I looked at the comments, right? And the comments were, what are you talking about? I saw a little blurb on ESPN. I saw, you know, somebody wrote, no, that's not what you're, you're not talking about, hey, a a, a two-minute story. You're talking about, I'll go back to Nasser, a Nasser explosion type of thing, right? Yes, a a Larry Nasser, a Harvey Weinstein. These are big moments and pivotal moments in our culture to be able to say abuse is not acceptable and we will defend the abuse the abused and go after the abuser. And in this instance, it has not happened and it continues to not happen. And there should be breathless outrage and coverage over what is the third iteration of a professional women's soccer league in this country. The one that has seen the most success thus far in an attempt to really stand up professional women's soccer in this country. And from its infancy, it was more worried about the league's success than the women's success. And unless we are talking about empowering women and actually having that conversation, which means talking about the abuse that happened in NWSL, we are not serving women and we are not giving them a better chance at a tomorrow. And I did see those comments. I try not to read the comments, but I did see those comments and I was like, you're missing the entire point here. The entire point is people aren't talking about this on a larger scale that that I can ask people every day, have you heard about the scandal in NWSL? And they won't know a thing. But if I say Leah Thomas, oh, what do you know? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. This was actual physical abuse of these players, mental abuse, and it is not being talked about. That is horrific. When, when, when you look at the Leah Thomas situation, and it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is bigger than just somebody swimming. We, we saw it, I think it was in Vermont, some women on a swimming team got got accused of bullying because a, a, a guy was dressing in their locker room. I mean, Leah Thomas walking around. It's a little bit, it, 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 it's, it, this is all, this is all a form of, I don't know about abuse, but certainly neglect of women and their rights to just compete as women. No? I mean, absolutely. There is an entire catalog of sports 
for women because men have a biological advantage in a lot of things. I'm not trying to undermine women. I am a woman. I want to see women succeed. And listen, I grew up as a horseback rider. It's not a sport where gender determines outcome in a way that running or swimming or other sports could. And that is why we have female leagues. It's why we have the WNBA, the NWSL. We have professional, you know, you see softball coming back into the Olympics. You see these professional women's sports opportunities. But when we don't talk about protecting female athletes and instead talk about the fact that we need to undermine their sports by allowing people who have a biological advantage, covering that so breathlessly, but not talking about this. And I'll say this, I work with a lot of reporters having come up in politics and having worked in political communications, but the sports journalism world is very different. It comes a lot more on coziness. It comes on coziness with players, with coaches. It's a lot about access. In politics, you're supposed to have that really sharp light on you. And even if you get along with a reporter, you don't necessarily trust them. But in the sports industry, until reporters can step away from the conversation and say, I need to give a critical lens to this and my access be darned, you're not going to see better reporting. I mean, here's a great example. Just the other week, Tua Tagovailoa, when he took the push for Matt Milano in the Bills game, clearly had the issue standing up, gets pulled into the locker room. Ian Rappaport puts out a tweet saying, official from the Dolphins organization, they're checking out for a head and neck injury. You get through the rest of the game, Tua plays the rest of the game, and then you get to the end of the game, and Ian puts out a tweet saying the official line is that it's, it's a back and ankle injury. But that is just more indicative of the fact that he's trying to protect his sourcing and his relationships with these teams. And he does work for the NFL. Then it was about reporting what had happened to Tua Tagovailoa and the fact that he clearly couldn't stand up correctly, right? We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The sports media empire is really undermining the ability to shine a light on what is happening in sports. Well, that's why I, that's why I use the Nasser uh, analogy yeah. or, or example where Michigan State, they had all these reporters. They're, they're totally in bed. Athletes yeah. know, like I played at Indiana, played basketball. Bob Knight was my coach. I knew that the writer, Bob Hamill in Bloomington, like if I went and said, you know, coach was abusive, he was Coach Knight's best friend. You know what right. I mean? You know what I mean? So uh, you got to go to the indie star or you got to go somewhere different. And that's sad to me because you're so right. I fight this all the time. On my Twitter account, half of it is whatever. And the other half is talking about how the local sports media here in Indianapolis is in pocket with everybody else. You could not be more right about that. It's very true. And until these reporters are willing to put the, the ideals of journalism and, and effective and aggressive reporting first, we will continue to see a sustained delegitimization of women in sports because unless they're going to cover NWSL and have the conversation about the cover-up and the issues and the fact that there are still people who are accused in the cover-up and in the abuse still working in NWSL, until we get the coverage on that, 
and it actually has a critical eye. You can't call it journalism in sports. It's 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 just being an effective PR arm for the university or for the league or for the specific team. Journalists need to be objective. And in sports journalism, you don't get that. Not even close. No, you don't. Has anything happened in the NWSL since this has come to light? Yeah, the Portland Thorns, um, which is one of the organizations that you have heard, uh, was part of the initial report, right? Alex Morgan helped um, Mana Shim be able to get her story out. She helped her find the HR that nobody could find in NWSL. Uh, the coach and the owner and the GM have all, the owner has stepped aside. The GM has been fired. Uh, Pat Riley, who was the coach of the Thorns at the time and then went on to the Western New York Flash and a few other teams, he has been fired and his his coaching license has been suspended. So there are drips and dribbles, but it's not nearly enough to really affect the appropriate change that needs to come in national women's soccer. And this is the point of journalism is to be able to have the conversations that people don't feel that they can have because they don't feel protected in their voices. That's why you have anonymous sourcing and the ability to have these conversations behind the scenes with journalists. But until they're willing to do that in this instance, it will continue to not be enough for the female soccer players who are trying to make a living in a league that is still considered an upstart. You know, you mentioned something earlier. This is, you know, in terms of women, um, you mentioned the first soccer stadium going up. You mentioned softball coming back. Um, that leads me to believe that there will be more interest. And that also leads me to believe when you mentioned what's going on and firing of some coaches, once the dam breaks, I feel like uh, uh, all of a sudden this happened, this happened, which is a great thing here. Will the dam break and will this whole thing get exposed eventually? Or is what you just mentioned, the consequences of a few, is that enough to squelch this thing and, and all of a sudden we're back to where we were? I certainly hope it means the dam breaking. One other part of this is that some of the uh, uh, advertisers and, and individuals and companies that have supported NWSL, they have started to back away as well. I think when money starts to come into the conversation, unfortunately, that's when you're going to start to see the most change. It's not about what's best for the players. It's really still, and this is the problem with NWSL right now, it's about their bottom line. And until they are willing to put the player first, they're not going to see the change. Hopefully the, these businesses pulling away will be enough to start the conversation. But the more we talk about it, the more we shine a light on it, the more opportunity for that dam to break happens. And this is, you mentioned it earlier, and I don't have it here in front of me, I should, but this, this has reached the government level, correct? With a report. Yeah, I mean, right, this is former acting attorney general of the United States, the, you know, the former top attorney in the country, Sally Yates, putting forward this report. Uh, this would fall under jurisdiction of like the Senate Commerce Committee. I remember when I worked in the Senate, uh, you know, Joe Torrey was dragged up to the Hill when he was with, you know, at MLB talking about domestic violence situations in 2014. There is certainly an opportunity for the Senate Commerce Committee, for its affiliate in the House, to bring forward NWSL, to bring forward the commissioner, the owners, the coaches, the players, especially the players as a victim impact statement, would be huge. 
And it talks about what it can talk about the oversight that needs to happen. When the Portland Thorns were approached about what it was happening to their players by Pat Riley, their coach, they allowed the team to do the investigation. And unless NWSL is willing to step up and make the change to say, we will handle team investigations when it comes to allegations, there's certainly a point for government oversight to say what needs to be happening. Let's shine a light. Let's let's get into the nitty gritty here and how we can make sure that this kind of abuse does not happen to female athletes again. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it is amazing. It, it well, uh, I, I, I this is something that needs to stay in the public eye, clearly, and you're yeah. doing a great job of it. Um, how did you approach OutKick? How did it come that you wrote an article for OutKick? How did that all come about? Yeah, so I'm kind of a crazy sports fan and I work in politics. Um, I, I've worked with Clay before a few times um, and, and Bobby over there at OutKick. Um, and this story came to mind and I, I really considered that it hadn't been covered enough. And, and what would be a better way to shine that opportunity than to go to an outlet like OutKick to share my thoughts and to try to be part of the conversation or at least somebody to amplify the noise that needs to be made regarding this. Um, and so, you know, I, I just approached everybody, sent it over, and you guys were you guys were good enough to to run the piece. And so, you know, I just kind of took it upon myself and and sent it in. Well, last, last, I know you're a Bills fan, and I know you're a massive uh, sports fan. Let me ask you this: it, it before I get to the Bills and their greatness, if this would have happened in a woke league, whatever, like the NBA. How much coverage do you think this gets? Oh, my gosh. If this was happening to players in the NBA, the NFL, MLB, it would be leading conversation in every broadcast in the country. And when it is not the leading conversation in the country, you have to pinpoint to the fact that it is women's sports. And when the media doesn't cover it, they are delegitimizing women's sports. See, I'm so tired. I, again, I go back to I'm so tired. And it's one of the reasons I left ESPN and came here. I, I, I get tired of nothing, arguing about stupid stuff or, or being worried about stuff. Well, you said the wrong word or you, you use they or what. I don't even know. It gives me a headache. And then to see something as important as this, uh, it's why I love being an outkick because you can talk about it and you can – you know, you can address it without worrying about some slap in a suit sending you an email, you know, saying, hey. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Bill's shining the light a and the conversation and point to the Leah Thomas example on that. A lot of outlets wouldn't want that pair. They wouldn't want that conversation to say, oh, look at this coverage versus that coverage because it doesn't fit that woke left leaning narrative that you see oh. so much in media. I got to tell you, my comments were not supportive of Leah Thomas because of my wife's opinions, who I value in these instances far more than I. She has 30 years as a coach and a player. I'd have been fired. I'd have been fired at ESPN or certainly certainly taken off the air. I mean, I, that, that, I say that all the time. Ooh, that would have got me fired at ESPN. You, you know what I mean? That would have been like, uh, all right. Your bills, we're talking about getting Christian McCaffrey. That would be unfair to the rest of the league. <laughs> um, I, so, I, again, I've seen reporting go both ways on this. I saw that there was a lot of tweets saying we've been able to confirm, we've been able to confirm. One of the bills beat reporters, Dan Feetz, came out and said that 
Uh, the Bills are saying we have not reached out to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, again, sports journalism, you kind of get away with that kind of stuff a lot more than you do in political journalism, where you can tweet something out like that and be like, oh, no, sorry, we got it completely wrong. And so many people have run with what they said as confirmed sourcing. Um, we need We need a little bit of help. Right. We just played the Steelers this last week. And don't get me wrong. I love Josh Allen. I think that we are the best Bills team we've ever been. But I know how we are just on the precipice of being one of the best teams the league has ever seen. And I fully believe that. But we just played the Steelers who have the worst protection against run. And we still don't have good running game with the Bills. And while we still have Josh Allen and he's like our leading rusher and he's incredible, we shouldn't have to just hope that Josh can be able to run the ball for us uh, when we can't make anything else work. I, you know, I worry about our rookie safeties. I worry about our rookie corners on defense. I really want Jordan Poyer back out there. You know, I don't want Josh throwing interceptions either. And, and, and I want our guys holding the ball. You know, Quentin Morris had a great game on offense for us. Devin Singletary's fantastic. Uh, the team's got to get healthy. Um, I'm really excited about this season. Um, and I actually think the bills can do it. We've got the Kansas city game this week in Kansas city. And I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> All right. Hold on. I got three quarters of our audience going, whoa, 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 whoa. Try being an Indianapolis Colts fan. Try being a Denver Broncos fan. You're sitting there complaining about all this stuff. So it begs this question. And I hope you can follow this, okay? In the state of Indiana, where I live, basketball is huge, all right? There are three different kind of fans. Indiana University. Indiana University wins two straight games against Buffalo State and Savannah State. And the fans think this is national championship team. We're going title number six, all right? Purdue fans win 10 games in a row, beat UCLA, beat whoever, Syracuse, and they go, true story, oh, man, we're having too much success. The sky is going to fall. It, we, we, something bad is going to happen. All right, I'm going to eliminate the third because it's Butler and nobody cares. All right, <laughs> which, which are Bills fans? Are Bills fans like Indiana? Apparently not. Or are they like Purdue? Oh, man, we're really good, but something's going to get screwed up. Uh, we're definitely more like Purdue fans. We, we've had such a bad legacy. I mean, with 17 seasons without a playoff, I mean, it's we, we are just always so worried that something terrible is going to happen to us because it did for so <laughs> many seasons. And yeah. I'm excited that we're good. It, it's been such a long road. I love Josh Allen. I love Brandon Bean. I love the Pagulas as the owner. Owners, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, Ken Dorsey. I mean, we we are so good. I just want it to actually happen for us. I mean, Josh Allen is just, he's one of the most incredible athletes I've ever seen. He loves Western New York. He loves Buffalo. And to bring home a Super Bowl for us, I and I've, I've been a Bills fan my entire life. If I ever said we were going to win a game, I would get worried that I was jinxing us. So me saying that like <laughs> we could actually win a Super Bowl is just it's just never something I thought I'd actually live to see. So I'm I'm eternally grateful to these Buffalo Bills. I try to enjoy every snap and every moment with Josh on the field, but I just want this Super Bowl so bad. Those 13 seconds in that Kansas City game at the in January, when it said 13 seconds on the clock, I looked dead at my husband. And I said, "That is forever in football." And sure enough, if <laughs> it wasn't, and so I just I want it. I want it so bad. <laughs> Would you ever wear a Scott Norwood jersey? Yes. 
Yes. The All Bills right. fans still love Scott Norwood. Don't get me wrong. Wide right. Like, what? what? It breaks your heart, but that that weekend, you know, the, the team came back to Buffalo and they had a big parade and Bills fans went nuts for Scott Norwood. We still love him, but, you know, that kind of stuff happens. But absolutely, I'm not going to wear an O.J. Simpson jersey, but I'll wear a Scott Norwood jersey. That's fair enough. Would you ever jump on a table at a tailgate? No, that's not my style of Bills Mafia fandom. Um, I do, you know, we do things called like haircuts where you sit in a low chair and you tilt your head back and they pour a shot in your mouth with a little bit of soda and until it spills all over your face. So that's a bit more my style tailgating, but uh, you know, never say never. <laughs> would, <laughs> would you ever forget, given what's happened, to apparently turn your grill off when you leave your car to go to the game? Oh, no, I would not. Uh, we tailgate many hours in advance, so we would definitely know if the car was still on. We make it a whole day thing out in Orchard Park. Um, so no on that one. All right. All right. Hey, thanks. I want to have you back again. Let I want to follow up on this and see where, where this goes, because this is the most important story going. It really is. And, and it was a pleasure having you on, Aaron. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is fantastic. I look forward to joining you again. Yeah, no question about it. I want to want to follow up on that. She's terrific. Absolutely terrific. You can tell the passion not only for the Bills, and as I've told you many times on this show, I'm a massive proponent of women's sports. I mean, I just am. And, you know. Uh, all right, let's go real quick. Five ridiculous political happenings. Ridiculous. This... All of them could be number one, okay? All of them. But number five, it would not be complete with Stacey Abrams. Stacey, baby. Stacey wants to defund the police. Stacey, you want to fund the police, but you spent 1.2 million, not 100, not one dollar and 20 cents, one point $2 million on security. But you wanted to fund the police for the rest of us. While you spend $1.2 million on your sorry ass to be protected. So the rest of us have to be out here fending for ourselves while you spend $1.2 million. Oh, all right. Morons, hypocrites, horrible people. You guys don't know this, but Joe Biden has walked back his, uh, in many ways, his forgiveness of student loans. You guys didn't see this, but he did. He walked back forgiveness of student loans very, very quietly. You're going to see this come up fairly soon. You're going to see this to where you're like, wait a second, I didn't know that happened. Wait a second. He did what now? Yes, he walked back very quietly, very, very quietly, his student loan forgiveness program. You know, they're all about it. Uh, all right, we shall see. But you know what? You're going to have to have an application. There are email scams. Uh, it's going to be interesting. We're going to see what happens. 
But don't think for a second. Don't think for a second. They reverse court. Here it is. Xavier Epps. Bolo for the student loan dates around debt forgiveness. Significant news drop from the Department of Education on reversing course last week by quietly scaling back on eligibility for Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Now, those of you that understand this, uh, there will be, he announced, no student loan forgiveness before October 23rd. We shall see. There will be nothing. There's going, you'll watch. He is slowly scaling this back. He made the big splash because he's trying to buy votes, but he's scaling it back because of how expensive and actually polling numbers say that a lot of people, more than 50% disagree with that. Americans still, still have integrity, even if our government does not. You sign something, you put your name on it, you're expected to pay it off. That's how most Americans view things. So now it goes a week later. Now different eligibility rules are in there. It's too complicated for me to explain to you. It's going to be like, what do they say, a camel through the eye of a needle? You're going to have to be a key. You have to get a camel through an eye of a needle to get that student loan forgiveness, but you're not going to see any of the slaps, none of them, talking about it because, well, they just don't. How about this? A high school player had to walk back his Blue Lives Matter flag. Now, think about this for just a second, will you please? A high school player was saved by a cop. He wanted to honor that cop. So he carried onto the football field a Blue Lives Matter flag. So somehow, some way, there was an uproar. There was an uproar because people said the Blue Lives Matter flag is comparable to the Confederate flag. It was, of course, in California. Uh, Critics said it made them feel unwelcome and uncomfortable. Some others compared the thin blue flag to the Confederate flag, forcing school administrators at Sagos High School in Santa Clarita to tell the player to ditch it. Man, the intent was to show support for police officers, but of course it offends some people. Let me ask you a simple question. In the world that we live in, when you were brought up, did anybody ever tell you you're going to go through life not being offended? Did anybody ever say to you, hey, look, the world that you live in will be perfect. Nobody will ever do, nobody will ever say anything to you or about you that is going to offend you. You will live a perfect existence. Sack up, people. Sack up. You're going to get offended. Get over it. Who cares? We got, we got national news organizations talking about a possible Armageddon. And we're worried about that. We're worried about supporting police. If that principal had any stonage at all, and he clearly doesn't, he would have told those offended, hey, look, be offended. Good for you. Now you're offended. What can I tell you? I didn't feel unwelcome. Ah, so what? 
All right. Duly noted. Uh, I don't know if you see this, but Hunter Biden may be charged. That'll get interesting, right? I think that'd get really interesting. Let's charge Hunter Biden. Serious business. Let's charge him. Charge him big time. If for no other reason, just to show that dirtbags have to at least, at least be inconvenienced for being dirtbags. Video of guns and cocaine, that's enough. Needle in your arm in the bathroom, that's enough. Charge him just so that people restore or get restored a little bit of faith in our Department of Justice. A little bit. We're not expecting anything. I'm not even expecting you to charge him. I believe Joe Biden and I believe Hunter Biden could walk down the street carrying Uzis, gun down people, and no one would charge him with anything. I believe that much. I believe they have financially done so wrong to so many people, uh, including, not unlike the Clintons, causing people death. That's what I have been told allegedly. I don't know if that's true, but I've been told that. I've been told that the criminal empire is so deep that many, many people have had serious, serious problems due to these people. So I just want you charged. See what happens. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, just maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody will be uncomfortable for once after making a lifetime of people uncomfortable, these folks. We'll see. Last but not least, man, is PayPal walking this back, huh? PayPal's walking this back like it's their job. PayPal was going to take $2,500 out of your account should you put misinformation out there. Hate language. Now, of course, PayPal is saying it was never our intent. But people that read the fine print, and this is something that I always do. True story. Drives my wife nuts. I'll see an ad on a television for a drug or a, or a lawyer, and I always read the fine print. In fact, sometimes I'll pause it and read the fine print. I always use the Indy Star. The Indy Star has my boy Doyle riding a little bike with a little doggy in the basket, and they want you to buy the Indy Star for a year for like 25 cents or a buck, 99 cents. The fine print basically says after that year, you got to pay like a million dollars, whatever it is. Read the fine print. The fine print for these clowns said that if we find you to be posting misinformation or what they would describe, they get to decide hate language, we're taking $2,500 out of your account. They lost $6 billion yesterday as PayPal stock dropped significantly, and I frankly hope it still does. Of course they're doing damage control. Of course they're out here saying we never intended to do that. I got two words for you. Uh, absolutely my backside. There you go, Joe Biden. There's your two words. Yeah, there's your two words. How about that? Absolutely my backside. We got PayPal wanting your money. Possible Joe or Hunter Biden being charged. A football player can't even celebrate police. That's crap. We need to stand up for police. We need to stand up for police every single day. Yes, there are bad cops, but 99.9% of them are great. Joe Biden, you're going to see it, keep watching it, is walking back student loans. He did it by a week. He's narrowing who can get them. You watch. Pay attention. 
I'm here for you. And of course, Stacey Abrams. Walk a hole in my Stacey Adams. It's Stacey Adams, not Abrams. Uh, her, you know what, decided, well, we're all supposed to get defunded because we're just regular people. Her entitled, uh, ridiculous self, paid out $1.2 million. Now, some people are going to say, well, it's her prerogative. Oh, sure it is. But don't take away our protection. Here's the deal with police. I had a police commander tell me this, get a gun. I said, really? He goes, get a gun. I said, I want to get a gun. He said, get a gun. He said, somebody breaks in your home. We're not coming fast. We're waiting to make sure we have backup because we're, we, we know the deal, man. So I'm getting a gun. But this idiot, she can spend $1.2 million. Ain't nobody wants her dead. Let her keep talking. The more Stacey Abrams talks, the smarter we all sound. Have a great, great afternoon, everybody. You can catch this act at 1075thefan.com or just go to youtube.com. Search me. The show is on YouTube. Uh, We'll be back at it tomorrow. Wonderful day. Davey and uh, Dylan, Ryan, uh, Aaron, thank you so much. Catch us at outkick.com. And don't forget... Go to Bet Rivers, betrivers.com, or download the app. Do it. $5, new investors. You get $200 in free bets. Have a wonderful afternoon, everybody. I'm out.